Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Jeff. What's up? <laughs> That's what Matt always says. What's up? What's up? Yeah, sorry guys, you don't have uh, Matt, you have me. And you'll get me next week too, because that's true. I'll preach you next week. <laughs> <laughs> this is a warm up. Yep. Yeah, we uh, are going ahead and recording today just to make sure that we get it out to you guys for Memorial Day for the holiday week and uh, and, and not stick it too late. Yeah. The, the Bit week. of an abnormal time in the office today. Yeah, it but is. Good. Feels weird. Yeah. Well, this week's sermon was titled "A New Creation." Uh, it's kind of part two from the "Not Your Hallmark Religion," um, which I think would be. Good for people to know that Matt included the copyright C in his actual like he, document he did. file for Hallmark, <laughs> just to make sure you know that we give credit where credits due. Yes, um, so that's the thing. So a new creation. This is from Hebrews uh, chapter nine. We're, we're working towards wrapping that. And the main points that we had this week is we're going to kind of get into a summary in our discussion. Is but the the points are the new creation begins at the atonement. The culmination is the ascension and live the new creation. Mm -hmm. And I think that first point really sets up a lot of what we were tackling and some of his main points and even from what we talked about in the office last week, that this new creation begins at the atonement. And so we say, well, yeah, of, of course, the atonement. But it was like, do you know what the atonement encompasses? Right. What is all actually wrapped up into the atonement? And can you actually define that? So... It's what we want to kind of tackle today is uh, develop that a little bit more and kind of try to apply uh, and explore some other aspects of where that those challenges come from that he was alluding to yesterday. Yeah, it's um, if you want to compare it to uh, seeing a picture, but a picture that you put together by putting a puzzle together. Mm -hmm. You ever done one of those where you, you put a puzzle together and it makes a picture and you can frame it and put it on the wall? Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have these different pieces and you begin to see um, the bits and pieces of the, the story that the artist has has uh, drawn or painted for you. But it's not until it's all together that you get the full encompassing picture. Right. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, when I think about the full picture of what God has done in the new birth, I think of kind of putting a, a puzzle together. I think of the cross being a, a, a huge piece over here in the corner. Um, I think of the resurrection being a huge piece over here and this side, and then you have the ascension, right? And as you put all that together, you get this bigger, fuller understanding of what the gospel actually is. Yeah. But I think that, as we've mentioned before, many people live with half of the picture. They have, and, and most people in our culture today, in our church cultures today, live with the cross section of the puzzle completed mm -hmm. and then they frame that and they put that up <laughs> on the wall and that's their picture yeah. of what um, the gospel is, what Christianity is, what the scriptures call us to. And that is just a, a partial picture and their life um, is evident of that. Mm -hmm. They're only able to live out that piece yep. and that will only take you so far when you mention that in sermons or in conversations about how the cross <laughs> is, is just a piece and it's you know not the main point people really yeah. lose their minds they, they, they just go insane 
Yeah, or when we talk about, I mean, I know people have been hearing us say that gospel-centered is not necessarily mm. a good thing or the whole thing, and it's, it sounds suspicious. Like, what so, are you talking about? Don't yeah. we want to be gospel-centered? Uh-huh. Don't right. you? Yeah, don't you? It's, yeah, put the burden of proof on you real quick. Yeah. So one thing that we wanted to tackle as we're kind of prepping for today is to um, alleviate concerns that you may have <laughs> as to why, we're, why we use that language, um, but mostly kind of give you an inside picture, I think, of uh, some perspectives that you, you might not have just from you're not in the church subculture that the pastors are in sure. and, and stuff like that. So to help kind of frame that, I, I want to set it up this way, that it, we talk about these things in the negative now, whereas we used to, I mean, they were our, the, the main point on our website, you know, when mm-hmm. we planted and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and essentially show that these were needed course corrections at a time, but they weren't the destination. Now, yeah. a good example of that, I think, would be like complementarianism. Mm-hmm. If you get on Twitter right now, and particularly in the circles that you know we run in, they are, they are crucifying, <laughs> to use the cross language again, <laughs> crucifying complementarianism right. and, and throwing it under the bus like wholesale. And I understand why they're doing that, and I agree with the direction that they're going, but to me, it feels a little wrong to villainize complementarianism because it was such a needed course correction, yeah. you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And particularly fighting against rampant, full-blown feminism in yes. the church. Yeah. And so we at least kind of got to a uh, level ground almost. And the complementarian really pushed yeah. as a course correction there. And complementarianism was good. But it's not the destination, and that doesn't sound as crazy, right? Yes. It says, okay, so so where? How do we keep fixing this? How do we keep moving on? Right. I think that um, there are some things when you look back at church history, you say, yeah, it was close, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't quite what we needed, and it's taken some time to, um, and unfortunately, long time, mm-hmm. you know, years and years and years to figure out that wasn't exactly the direction we needed to go and maybe we should have just jumped um hook line and sinker into biblical patriarchy or never left that in the first place or however you (laughs) want to define that but at the same time um it's kind of like um i think about it kind of like of our distinctives right Mm -hmm. a time and a place uh that these things need to be spoken to and i imagine that in a number of years that those will change yeah and we're not gonna say i mean the exception of maybe biblical inerrancy, we're not going right. to say like this was the destination. Yeah. But as far as like holding that up, mm-hmm. you know, in front of people's eyes, or when, sometimes with my kids, I'm trying to get them to focus. I have to take their face yeah. and like turn it towards me, or turn it <laughs> literally towards the thing I'm telling them to pick up. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing with these kinds of things: is to kind of hold them up and to say, "Here's the problems with these things." Mm-hmm. Um, and and things like complementarianism, yeah, it's good. It's it's become a really large tent though, yeah. a really large tent for lots of people to kind of live under. Mm-hmm. And so when you say I'm complementarian, that means, I think I know what that means. Yeah. A no. long time ago under guys like, uh, Piper yeah. and, um, who else wrote, uh, the, uh, response on complementarianism was it, uh, Piper, I think. And, um, Carson, mm-hmm. I think it was, um, that I knew what they were talking about. Sure. Right. And and yes, that was, that we're like, yes, we're complementarian, mm-hmm. but now it's something that needs to be much more explained. Yes. Cause it's such a large tent, but that doesn't sound as crazy to say, Hey, we need to refine this some more. Right. Right. So now when we throw out the gospel centered moniker, right. Mm-hmm. 
and I tell you that, hey, that's not the destination, that sounds really sus. Yeah. Right? No, what? Look at you. <laughs> sus. Look at you. You're such a youngin. I am. Uh-oh. You're trying to be culturally Uh-oh. relevant. Trying to keep some youth on this stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds super suspect. Like, why? Wh- what What do we refine from gospel-centered? Now, right. gospel-centered movement was a huge needed thing, yep. I think, primarily to fight against the church growth movement. Yep. Um, now we've seen though that gospel centered movement has kind of morphed into pietism, mm-hmm. right? And, but for us to say, Hey, gospel center is not the destination, right? People freak out about that. Right. And explain what you mean by pietism. So pietism is going to be, uh, it, it has moved into that. This is my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And as long as I am doing Christian like things, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, and there's no, this is why for me particularly, I've been pushing people because we would say gospel centered movement typically stops at the cross. Yeah. This is why I've been pushing so hard the resurrection component. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Matt then is taking us now, this is where we're heading to the ascension component, right? Yeah. So I feel like you get this, you even get this sense as we've gone through Hebrews of the author of Hebrews is doing this whole thing. He's moving us finally to a mm-hmm. destination. Yes. You start with, you know, the patriarchs and you start then with the law and then you start then with the tabernacle and he's mm-hmm. taking us through, hey, this was, this was needed. They needed the law. Yeah. They needed the tabernacle. They needed a place to worship him. They needed the temple. They needed these sacrifices. Yeah. But that wasn't the destination. Yes. The ascension brings us to the destination. Yeah, that's good. It must, it must grow mm-hmm. into this something that's fuller and bigger. And I think that again, to use that analogy of the partial puzzle put together, mm-hmm. and that's what you're living out of. And you could say, well, I'm going to add the resurrection now, and some people have done that, and that's good. That's growth. Yep. But now, as we push more into understanding the ascension mm-hmm. and what the implications of that are, that we'll talk about here in a minute you're going to live a more full gospel focused and gospel centered life. We just mean when we say gospel centered now that everything is inside the center of the gospel. It encompasses everything. Yeah. And that had gotten very small. Yeah. It gotten very small for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's our other distinctive theological and cultural maximalism. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that we've, we've, are reaping the the um, what we've sown in that very gospel-centered focus, which again was needed, but I don't think for those who are being faithful, it was not supposed to stay there. But well, to grow if more. gospel-centered meant cross resurrection right. ascension exactly. then we'd still be using it right exactly but to your point it's it stops at the cross so mm-hmm. you asked earlier why do we stop at the cross matt was talking about this yesterday as well mm. um why is it that the church culture and often us as well will just stop at the cross i think that when i stop at the cross as <laughs> and every time we've talked about the cross and not stopping there, we always caveat it and say, it's, it's beautiful, wonderful, right? This is, this is the atonement, mm-hmm. right? This is, without this, we have no life. Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. Um, and we're having to do that, again, because of kind of like the people are kind of clutch their pearls when you say you can't <laughs> stop at the cross. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You're throwing the cross out. Um. Which makes me think of, you know, in our churches, crosses on the steeples, crosses behind the pulpits, crosses on the pulpits, people wearing crosses around their necks. Again, all good, but it does show you kind of this like 
idolizing, as it were, of the cross mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a smaller picture. And I think that one of the reasons that people stop at the cross is that at the cross is where my sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Praise God. <clears throat> yep. But the resurrection then, the implications of the resurrection is that Jesus has come back to life and those who are his now can and should walk in resurrection life. Mm-hmm. So it requires <clears throat> something of me. The cross doesn't, it, it, there's this sense that like the cross doesn't require anything of me, mm-hmm. right? And that's not a full picture of what the cross actually is because you have to have faith in the once for all work of Christ. Yeah. Um, so it does, it does require faith, right? But as far as what is needed for um, atonement, I just need to realize that I'm a sinner, right? <laughs> and Jesus took my punishment. And so people love that as we should love that. Mm-hmm. But if we stop there, I think those who do stop there without even realizing it have this mentality that Jesus took my punishment. Now I'm assured, if I believe in that, I'm assured a spot in heaven. And all I have to do is just do my thing now here on this earth. And then one day I get to go be in heaven with him and live in a mansion and the streets of gold. And I think that's the, I think that's what the majority of our quote unquote religious culture in a a town like Dayton (laughs) believes. It's a baptism that leaves you under the water. Exactly. It does. It leaves (laughs) you under the water. It doesn't lead to real life if you don't connect it to the resurrection. And churches have only talked about the resurrection on Easter Mm -hmm. and haven't, haven't, begin to put the puzzle piece together to give people a fuller understanding. And I think the reason, again, is is that the cross um, doesn't require anything of me. Yeah. I think that's the mindset. Yeah. But the resurrected Christ, which shows, we've seen in Hebrews, that the cross was effective mm-hmm. because death had no hold on Jesus because he was perfect. Mm-hmm. So he had no, no uh, payment. He had to have to pay um, anything for... Uh, sin because he had no sin that requires something of me yeah i have to now live in resurrection life Mm -hmm. and then you couple that with um hebrews saying if you don't strive and make every effort you will fall away Mm -hmm. and then we say oh my goodness now there's this pressure upon me yeah to continue to persevere because like matt said yesterday Every one of us is one decision away mm-hmm. from absolutely ruining our life, which is true. And if you stop and meditate on that, you probably know somebody who has made a mess of their life. And if you kind of trace back that relationship, you can see where some of that started to go amiss. And it was like, it was like um, Christian in Pilgrim's Progress who saw the comfy path yep. to the side of the straight and narrow. And as far as he could see... It went along the straight and narrow, but ever so slightly, it separated itself. Mm-hmm. And his justification for that was, as long as I can see the straight and narrow path, I'm okay. Yeah. This is a huge theme in literature throughout because it's so true. Exactly. This is the uh, Mirkwood Road for the yes. <laughs> for the dwarfs. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's all over the place. And, and it it should freak people out and also should like expose this deficiency yeah. is that when you say, Hey, now you have to, you're going to be judged and you actually have to go persevere. Well, you say, how do I do that? I don't have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. I just have my sins forgiven. Right. Uh, that's all I've got. Well, it's because you've neglected all the, the power, the resurrection yeah. power. So and you've heard people say, 
I'm just a sinner saved by grace, mm-hmm. right? And that saying started out well enough, but I think what that saying is morphed into is in our minds and in our hearts, I'm a sinner saved by grace. What else do you expect of me? Exactly. Right? And yeah. and so don't hold any any requirements over my head because all the requirements for getting into heaven were dealt with on the cross. Mm-hmm. And here's what's so tricky about that is, is that's true. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's why Satan um, comes with a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie, mm-hmm. and that's what he's gonna—that's what he's gonna get us with. Yeah, and with without making people question their faith too much, well, at the very least, say Satan hamstrings yeah. saints. Yeah, at least. Yeah, I mean, if not, you know, pulls you away because the the other piece that comes with that is not um, the, you don't have to expect anything of me or it cost me something. If you were to then talk to that person, say, "What are you excited about?" in heaven what are you excited about in your christian life yeah. i mean what do they say mm-hmm. so not only do they avoid the fact that it asks something of them but they have no actual hope or future hope yeah. and understanding of what heaven and new creation is going to be i mean yeah. that's, that's what matt's getting after yesterday is like there's more to come and there's more now you're in it yes yes and you are um all that all that you need to live a holy life is yours. Mm-hmm. You have complete access to the throne room of God where you can go find help in times of need. The reason that you're able to go there is because of the righteousness of Christ that covers you, that he paid for with his blood. And like Matt was saying yesterday, he sprinkled it mm-hmm. um, uh, in those heavenly realms. Calvin says that the ceremonial law hasn't been done away with, but it's just been transposed. Oh that it's been transposed to a heavenly realm, mm-hmm. right? Where Christ is, has done those works for us, yeah. you know? And so, which I think is a really great picture. And, and so now I can walk genuinely, truly, fully in, in newness of life. But often we, we get, uh, you said hamstring, um, I think hobbled, used to hobble horses, mm-hmm. um, basically like handcuffs for, <laughs> for horses legs. <laughs> and they could still walk but they could not they could not do what they were created to do mm-hmm. run full out yeah. you know um gloriously and i think that that's what many christians live in today mm-hmm. satan has, has hobbled them or hamstring them yeah um and they live kind of this partial partial gospel and there's and it's all well my sins are forgiven but there's no real understanding of i can actually overcome that sin because mm-hmm. it's been forgiven yeah so if I have a porn problem, I don't have to keep failing and then asking forgiveness, failing and asking forgiveness. If you keep doing that and there's a justification in your mind for your sin because of, well, it's forgiven on the cross. Yeah, Romans 7 is not a justification. For no, that. it's not. It's <laughs> yeah, not what he's talking about. Exactly. <laughs> uh, God forbid that we should walk in that. Um, you need to read Romans 6, 7, and 8. You need to, before you get to Romans 8, you need to read mm-hmm. 6, 7, and then 8. We love the part where God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? But if you don't read seven, you know, six, seven, and eight, you don't know who God is actually for. Yeah. Right. And so there's such freedom in this. It's not a hobbling thing. People feel like that Hebrews, um, perhaps some people feel like this, that Hebrews has now put this extra expectation on them. Well, the, they had already limited themselves in the first place. That's why people struggle to apply the 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 gospel, the cross to mm. to everything, right? From 
from your family to your workplace to your recreation. Like, yeah. you already came in way more limited than That's true. whatever you might feel this is doing. This That's is true. freeing you up. <laughs> yeah, it is freeing you up. But our, our, I think Satan and our, our flesh and also... You know, the big L word, legalism. You know, oh, we don't want to get into legalism here. That's why I went to Second Corinthians 3 for communion yesterday. It's yeah. like, where the Lord is, there's freedom. Like, there's liberty here. Yeah, there is such liberty here. And the I, understanding that God's law is good and perfect, I have no ability to keep that. Christ died for all of uh, the ways that I have rebelled against it. And now through faith in him, I can actually keep it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wonder if people really mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah. I know that, the, I know that the, the struggles I have to believe, to, to truly believe that and it manifests itself in different ways. But I can tell you my temptation usually is to shy away from the resurrection and then the ascension and to only focus on the cross mm-hmm. and say, well, my sins are forgiven at least. And it just at keeps least. me in this holding pattern. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, because the resurrection and the ascension require something of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so if Jesus has come back to life. He's given you resurrection life, and now he's ascended, which I think puts him in this place now of um, where there's this expectation of his return, mm-hmm. but there's also an expectation of judgment. Yep. Right there is there is judgment coming. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because he is ruling and reigning over all things at this very moment, which we could spend a really long time talking about the encouragements mm-hmm. of the king ruling and reigning over all things. Yeah. Right. He he didn't he didn't stay dead, <laughs> and he didn't come back to life and just wander around with his disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, well, sure, I know that I know he he did the floaty thing up into the sky. <laughs> But like he didn't just go back and kick, you know, when we say he sat down because his work was finished, we don't mean he sat down and just was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. It's <laughs> all been done. Yeah. And, but I believe that that is the way some people live in that uh, it's the cross. And even if you get to the resurrection and embrace that. Oh, I got the Holy Spirit because he's my comforter. Right. Which is a true thing. It is true. But he said you will receive power. Yes. When? <laughs> you have power now. And the power to to walk in the resurrection life of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is in charge, who um, is leading the charge um, for his church, mm-hmm. and who is going to come again and judge. Yeah. And we will all be judged. Mm-hmm. I think this is another um, bad fruit from sowing the cross-only gospel, is that well, I won't be judged. Yeah, I've you already will, been judged. At the right, uh, you will be judged. the The key is: will you be judged upon your own righteousness or upon the righteousness of Christ? Mm-hmm. Right, but but uh, many people live in this. Well, uh, there, there are two judgments. There's true. the white throne judgment mm-hmm. where you're judged on righteousness, like right. are you in or out, and then there's the judgment of God's people for what they have done. Exactly. Yeah. And no, so that's you, not for your salvation. No, it's not. But I think you. But you have to start with the first one and say, um, and, and and couple that with Hebrews, and what Hebrews is saying about striving, and what the resurrection requires of me, mm-hmm. what the resurrection empowers me to do, and say if I don't live in that, and I and I um, don't continue to strive until yeah. the day I see him. Then there's a good chance 
that he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, it shows a pattern of you not being. Right. And I think what people do in that, though, is they say, hang on, hang on. So you're telling me that I'm going to be judged either on my own righteousness or the righteousness of Christ. And I understand I have no righteousness in myself. There's none righteous, no, not one. Mm -hmm. But then Hebrews is telling me if I don't strive and do good works, then um, I'm not a Christian. So that doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to the cross and just claim the cross. Mm -hmm. But they don't, again, partial puzzle is they don't realize cross and the resurrection as they work together and as we strive forwards with the reality of the ascended Christ ruling and reigning and giving us the Holy Spirit to empower us that that is the thing that shows here in this life yeah, the, the, that we actually the belong age to him of life yes right yeah that we actually belong to him and that we will on that day um, be granted entrance, not by our own righteousness, but by righteousness of Christ. Yeah. And then, of course, we could talk about the, the other piece as well, but that's for another time. True. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this teaser. Maybe we can do a king's table on it sometime. Your good works as a believer here um, affect the joy mm-hmm. that you will have in eternity. Yes. Yeah, so that, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Scripture is clear about that. Yeah, so we, maybe we can do another one about that. Yeah. Well, uh, to wrap this episode up, we want to kind of just briefly touch some more on this age of life that he, he brought up, which we've been talking about, uh, but specifically in what is Christ doing now? And the ascension component really brings to full fruition, not just the atonement picture that we've talked about, but it helps us understand his role as king yeah. better. Um, it, so it absolutely rounds off atonement. It's the last component of that. Um, but as it heads towards judgment, as we've been talking about, this rounds off for us what Christ is actually doing as he's interceding. And I think it reminded me of Ephesians uh, chapter 1, 20 to 23. Hmm. It says that he worked in Christ, uh, is his power, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Mm. So we see Christ over every other power yeah. here. Which and is good news. And he has to be in the heavenly places for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. As crazy as the world continues to get, the good news, you know, the good news of the gospel is not just the cross. The good yes. news of the gospel is that Jesus is ruling and reigning Mm -hmm. over all the craziness and he is not sitting in the heavens wringing his hands wondering what's going to happen next. Yep. He is Christ the Lord. Yes. Hey, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) This has been brought to you by Christ the Lord Church. Yeah. You're located. Um, so to take us home, uh, he gave us five different things that we can do at the end from AW Pink as we are in this age of life, but as we await the uh, second coming and the judgment of Christ. Yeah. Mr. Pink. So he says, uh, steadfast faith of his appearing, resting with implicit confidence on his promises is from John 14, two through three. Yeah. And uh, the steadfast faith is the, is what you're talking about of persevering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. Your labor is not in vain. Mm-hmm. What you do now lasts for eternity for, for the kingdom will last Absolutely. for eternity. And he will come back. He promised he will. Implicit confidence. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number two is a real love unto it. Second Timothy four eight. 
So this is driving into our affections of knowing, loving, and obeying. Yeah. Uh, an actual love unto it, and it's going to be very hard to desire that which you're um, afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we actually find that confidence because of steadfast faith, then the affections will come. Yeah. Uh, number three, related but a little bit different um, kind of target, I guess, would be an ardent longing after it from Revelation 22, 20. Mm-hmm. This is come, Lord Jesus, come. So this is uh, not just um, loving the idea of him coming, but like I'm ready for it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Come yes. now. Longing for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that in that is a, as we work and as we labor, which I'm going to mention here in a minute on point four, but there's this, the one who saves us is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he is ultimately the one who will set all things right. And I can trust in that. Yeah. I would say like point number two, a real love unto it would be people who like Christmas. Oh. And number three would be Buddy the Elf, like every day is Christmas now. He's here. Yes. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> number four is a patient waiting for it in the midst of many discouragements. So yes. when uh, when things aren't going well, when it seems like the king is off the throne, um, we're patient inside of that. And it comes from James 5, 7 through 8. Yeah, that is a we we don't sit what I was gonna say here is we don't sit back, regardless of your eschatology <laughs> King's table uh episode. We don't sit back idly uh by and just wait for Jesus to come and get us, right? Yeah. Um one of the best pictures of the return of Jesus, I think, is uh Helm's Deep, you know, Gandalf says he's coming. Mm-hmm. Aragon remembers the promise. Mm-hmm. You know, when the sun rises and here he comes on the white horse over the hill, but he found them fighting. Mm-hmm. He found them ready to actually in that last hour go out and yeah. and conquer, right? And so this doesn't mean we just sit back and don't do anything and hunker down just waiting for, you know, Jesus to come back and to save us. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what you believe about end times and how that's going to come about, you got to put your hand to the plow. Mm-hmm. You got to work. And... um Work for the night is coming. Mm-hmm. Work, work, work. Um, there's an old hymn too that says, um, "Hold the fort, for I am coming." <laughs> um, Jesus beckons still. Um, wave the answer back to heaven. Oh, how's it go? Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus, I can't remember it. Mm. Anyway, let me back up and we can cut that out. Yesterday we asked Alexa. Um, Ben Johnson started singing random lyrics to a hymn and then it, it pulled it up. Oh, really? With like this choir of old church ladies and it was awesome. So Alexa sang to us. That's awesome. So, yeah. Now, the, a wizard arrives precisely when he means to. Uh, so <laughs> he will come. Number five, personal preparation. You always it. say that, by the way, when you're <laughs> late. <laughs> I'm a budget wizard. Rusty is a budget wizard. He is. <laughs> he can do lots of things, but on a budget. Yep. <laughs> that's me so i arrive precisely what i mean to uh, and a little bit behind you do uh personal preparation for it is matthew twenty five ten, luke 12 so th- this is uh the pictures of the um bridesmaids you know waiting for the groom that kind of picture and, and even to your talk about the battle like we're 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 in it and if you are stuck at the cross you have no power and you have no hope you just yeah. have a hope that doesn't seem to be coming to fruition. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where you saw the, uh, the disciples at for three days, right? They were like, what the heck, man? Like <laughs> he's dead. 
Yeah. It, it's as if they completely forgot that he said he was going to come back. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, there's there's a lot wrapped up in this, and I think Matt did a particularly good job setting us up for what's coming in, uh, in Chapter 10 and beyond. This is really kind of a hinge point, a pivot point, as we enter into the home stretch of Hebrews. Hmm. But anything else uh, on your mind? Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still. Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace, we will. Mm. There it is. Amen. I don't like having to look up lyrics and hymns. <laughs> I to brush up on my on my hymn book. Yeah, you used to be able to pull it out though. So yeah, it, it was yeah, it was back there somewhere. <laughs> I had to sing it, and I still couldn't get it, but or it was bugging me. So there you go. That's hold the fort. Jesus is coming. Amen. We well, will. I hope this has been super helpful as you consider the ascension and a full, well-rounded, gospel-centered yes. ministry. Uh, but with that, we look forward to seeing you next week. We want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. <laughs>